So here we are, Pastor Miles and Pastor Mark. This is the uh, Got Questions podcast, episode 16. Wow. Big times. And we're going to start a new segment today, not just answering questions. What are we going to call it? Like crazy stuff or the wisdom of man? What are we going to call that? The commentary, the news commentary hour, well, or minute. Let's call it, let's call it, I heard the dumbest thing. The craziest stuff. Well, let's, let's start with the big news. There's like a... I don't know. The news is the news is having a total meltdown over uh, Sweet Home Alabama, Sweet Womb Alabama, Sweet Safe Womb, Womb Alabama, Safe Womb Alabama. So right on. Yeah. So there's a, a very very pro life bill that's passed by the uh, state legislator in Alabama, and the uh, shall we call it the the left in America like had a had a collective meltdown over this. So. Pretty interesting. It's kind of, I mean, I'm going to admit it. It's kind of fun to watch. It is. I'm, I mean, I, for one, am in total support of this bill. It outlaws abortion and, um, and even says that those who perform abortions can uh, be punished. And this is the part that's kind of freaking people out. Well, it's very clear that their, their aim here is to try and get this to go to the Supreme Court. Right. And try to get Roe v. Wade to overturned. Or at least reviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a review of Roe v. Wade, from everything I've heard and read, uh, it was a, a very bad decision. I was not alive then, but um, but yeah. I don't. I think I was alive. 1973. I was definitely alive. Yeah. How old were you in 73? Let's see. I was nine years old. Yeah, almost nine 10, years yeah. old. Nine years old. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, so they're having a meltdown over this. They are. And it's interesting. Cause it, it all, it's all interesting. Because you're watching this, and this isn't a political issue for us. No, this, it's a moral this, issue. This is a moral, biblical issue. We're dipping our dipping our toe into the moral discussion. Right. We're not uh-huh. going to talk We're, we're not gonna talk politics, because politics uh, is... Politics like, might come into it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Just a little bit. Well, it's a, definitely people choose to align themselves right. along that. But we're just talking about the issue in general. Yeah. And I think a big catalyst for this is what went down in New York... Earlier right. in the year. It was New York and then, was it North Carolina? I that, believe so. Yeah. Somebody else adopted it right after. Monkey see, monkey do type thing. Well, you know what's really funny? Like, at the very least, we could have some consistency because um, those who are pro-choice, uh, they they piled on and they said, well, what happens in New York or happens in North Carolina is not going to affect the nation. So couldn't we say the exact same thing about Alabama? Like, they're all freaking out about what's happening in Alabama. You say, well, wait a minute. Let's back up, like, what, four months ago and say... You know, back then you were saying that's not going to affect everything in the entire nation. Don't get so upset, all you pro-lifers. Let's just put it right out there. We are 100% pro-life in every way. Yeah, so we're, we're watched that. And I think that really lit a fire under especially um, Bible-believing Christians to say, you know, we didn't like what it was before, but now we see where it's just going to go farther and farther. And, and who was it that said the only thing for evil to exist is for good men to do nothing? Sir Edmund Burke. Yes, and he's credited with that. Yeah. And boy, that's a true saying. That's yeah. a true saying. And just so if we're just kind of idle and we don't address these things. And so I'm glad that Christians got fired up. And we also saw something else this year, even with the uh, walk for, um, walk for life. alternatives, walk yeah. for life. Uh, the giving was record levels. And yeah, that's great. Quicker. And I think that was in direct response to what happened in New York because the law in New York is atrocious. I mean, it's murder. It's fitting our... Um, yeah. It, our... Uh, what do you call that? Our on mission on Sunday is going to be alternative. So oh, it's, it's very fitting. Super cool. So in um, Georgia. Yeah. And where else? Georgia. Wait, no, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Alabama. I'm sorry, Alabama. Alabama, Mississippi did the same thing this morning. It looks like Louisiana might follow suit. I mean, it's very, very clear. And all the all the people who are on the pro-life position are saying that this is a 
it's trying to get it brought up to the Supreme Court so that they can review Roe versus Wade. Yeah. So um, we'll see what cool. happens. Yeah, it's good to see Christians speaking out. They are for sure. And I mean, there is a there's a shift. There's been a shift towards a pro-life position over the last several years in our nation. And I mean, scientifically speaking, I don't think you can in any way get around the fact that life begins at conception. Yeah, so just just leave just leave that little guy alone and right. something's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. Yeah. So, you know, we did talk about abortion last week and I had um, a couple of gals, incidentally, uh, independently come and just be thankful, express their gratitude in the way that we addressed it last week. Good, so, good, yeah. good, good. I, I felt like, you know, it's it's a um, challenging discussion. It is because you don't want to, uh, you know, uh, run Christians who have made that mistake a long time ago put them yep. in a position where they're in this unforgivable position and carry all that around them. And they know the importance and they carry that with them, but to be able to offer some restoration and, yeah. and all that. So, uh, definitely. And if anybody's done any kind of counseling in that, you'll know the, the pain that goes with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, Cause the, uh, Planned Parenthood certainly doesn't give you a list of the things that could happen. No. And so, uh, and then, uh, the craziness. So no names mentioned, but some gal kind of a, Actress that's not really acting and very famous anymore. She decided she was going to do a sex strike. She's going to strike on sex until what? Until that law is overturned and it's safe to have sex again. Now, now here's my favorite part of this whole thing. That the the pro-life position for years has been, we want to promote abstinence. So it, are we saying that this lady is promoting abstinence? I think she is. And then, I think she is. And she's totally in line with a former president that got thrown under the bus. Yeah, who was also trying to say that abstinence training is really important. So so she has like single-handedly on Twitter become the new spokesperson for uh, abstinence. abstinence. That's great. Wow. Absolutely. We are pro-abstinence. You know, I should send her a Bible. You know what? Wait. Yeah. Wait Autograph. until you get married to have sex. Wow. There's a novel idea. Yep. If you do those things in order, you're going to have a much better life. Yes. Get married. Then have sex, then have babies. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a good thing. That's a good thing. So all research shows that that's a good thing. My favorite part about the interview was when he says, well, how long are you going to be on the sex strike with no sex? And, uh, she says, well, I really haven't thought that through. I just tweeted this yesterday. <laughs> and I'm thinking if you would have thought for four seconds, you wouldn't have done this. It's but. like the people who go on hunger strike. Yeah, how long? How, or did you ever have with any of your kids when they were really little where it's like, I'm going to hold my breath until you do what I want you to do? It never lasted very long. I know. An airstrike, basically. Airstrike. Going I like on strike. that. No there you airstrike. Airstrike. Yeah. 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 So anybody out there who's having a real problem with this, they're protesting, they're very upset, just hold your breath. Yes. Until it's over. Throw Let's a temper tantrum. See how long that lasts. Yeah. Anyway. Man, oh man. The wisdom of men. The foolishness of God is wiser, right? I'll take the foolishness of God any day. Amen. So anything else crazy going on this week? There's probably all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Wow. How about um, you You, well, you went to the islands this there week? There you go, man. Kind of. Exotic vacation a is actually bit, the island. The island. Well, no, that's part of the Channel Islands. I, uh, technically, it's, a, it's the technically southernmost Channel Island. That's true. Well, it wouldn't. Is it the most southern one? Because what are the ones off of uh, those Coronado Islands? Are they part of the... No. They're not part of the Channel no. Islands I'm not, even sure if, I'm not even sure if Catalina is part of the Channel Islands. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. We'll have to look that up. Well, we have the compendium of knowledge at our fingerprints right here on the computer. Wikipedia or Googleonium? I don't know. I just type things into the internet and it comes back to me. Catalina. 
channel. Had a great couple days out there. Stayed at a uh, like a bed and breakfast lodge from 1910. Fairly inexpensive. Right on. Kind of an antique hotel and just went over there with a wife and hung out and, you know, talked about spiritual things and looked at the ocean and over ate and walked about, I don't know, felt like about 100,000 steps. We went hiking. Nice. You know, kicking rocks on the beach and and meeting people. We met a really cool couple, uh, 80 plus year old couple. It was really kind of a cool time. Right on. uh, Charismatic Catholics, you said? Yeah, it was funny. It's, uh, um, it. We were just kind of casual conversation, and we ended up seeing him down in the you know restaurant row, which consists of one restaurant in yeah. two harbors. Oh, nice! And so um, I've been talking to them, and they asked, "Hey, you want to come eat dinner with us?" And so I think we both had in our head we were going to lead one another to the Lord. Oh, cool! Too late; it had already happened. But yeah, no, I met a really cool, like a charismatic, Bible believing, Holy Spirit filled uh, Catholic couple, and we just had a great time just talking about stuff and life experiences and. You know, I was letting them dole out uh, wisdom to me. That's great. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good to get wisdom from from people. What does the scripture say about a gray head? It's, it's a, a crown head. of a crown of wisdom. A crown of something wisdom, something yeah, like something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it is a part of the Channel Islands. It is not the southernmost Channel Island. What's the southernmost? San Clemente. San Clemente. Okay, yeah, San Clemente. So Anacapta, Anacapa, San Miguel, Santa Cruz, Santa, Santa Rosa, Rosa, San Clemente, San Nicholas, Santa Barbara, Santa Catalina. It is the most populated of the Channel Islands. I'd say a whopping four thousand and ninety-six. You would people. not believe that you were only twenty-six miles away. It is from a beautiful the, place. Yeah, the largest cities on the planet. It's great. Yeah, nobody was there. There were two other couples at the Ho Hotel. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, hmm. Drink a lot of coffee, man. So um, I was at the Bible College today, and uh, some of my students listened to our podcast from last week. And you may remember that we talked about. Um, uh, acronyms. Yes. And I was throwing the Bible college under the bus with their CC, 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 MHS thing. They, yeah. they all thought that was pretty funny. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess so. Yeah. And then I was talking to someone else who listens to the podcast and they say that sometimes our intros are a little too long and we just never really get to the questions. You know what? Tell that to your wife sometime. Honey, can you just get to the point? See how that works. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Once you want to go without dinner? You want to know sex strike? You just try that sometime. Yeah. Try that. And a dinner strike. Do I need to edit that out? No, leave it right in there. This All is, right. we get practical. People this is, keep, people keep coming to me and they say that I always say that we're going to edit something out. We never do. We stink at editing. I always forget where it was that you said something that they're off the wall. It is a, I think it, it's truth, man. It's truth. You try that Maybe. sometime. Maybe. Guys, I want you to, next time your wife is telling you a story and just she's setting it point. up and she's just to say, hey, honey, land the plane. Let's see. How, Get to the oh point. Yeah, see how that goes. You want to see food strike, hunger strike, and sex strike. You're going to see both of them. You just try that. You can, uh, when God says to Cain, why has your countenance fallen? Yeah. <laughs> you want to see your wife's countenance fall? There yeah. You go. Mm. Yeah. Get to the, yeah. Get yeah. to the point, honey. Come on. All this idle chatter. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I may have so, just saved some marriages right there. Maybe. Or not. Yeah. Who knows? So. It's a good possibility. So do we have like. We, we have some questions. We do. Have you ever told your wife, hey, just get to the point? No, I'm way smarter than that. Yeah, I just will say, gosh, I had say, <laughs> yeah, you, you, nobody wants to call the coroner. That's good. So, well, we get, oh do we goodness. have people with questions about the the Jews lately? We, well, yeah. Last we three podcasts. Did three? we have, we had some with Jewish questions last week? Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember. We did. So, hmm. 
Um, if Jewish, number one, if Jewish people don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and therefore don't believe in the new covenant, do they still follow the whole law of the Old Testament? Well, I mean, first, my first thought on this would be that there has not been a Jewish person following the whole law of the Old Testament ever, but especially not since the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So almost 2000 years ago. So you got to, you got to have a temple or at least a tabernacle. You have to have a priesthood and a sacrificial system to follow the old covenant or old Testament law. So the Jews haven't been following that for a long time. So, so the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely and I, no. I've never, I mean, I had friends that were kosher. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they weren't like Old Testament kosher. Kosher. I mean, they were not like. Do you remember about ten years ago long. when that group, um, oh, the geez. very Jewish faithful group in Israel, uh, they sacrificed a Passover lamb in, in Jerusalem? Do you remember when that happened? Yeah, that was a big, that was that like was big pretty news. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was like almost started and, World War Three. Yeah, Whew. man, he that just, was like right when YouTube first started because I remember watching it on YouTube that they sacrificed a lamb in the middle of the old city in Jerusalem. Yeah, you want to cause a ruckus? There you go. People got really bent out of shape. It, yes. PETA or what was the deal? You think they think the Muslim uh, brothers were a little upset about that whew. up there? Oh, I don't think most people understand how the the um, Temple Mount is controlled now. Yeah, so the Temple Mount is is held by Israel, but they they've ceded control of it over to the the uh, what is it? The synagogue there, Al Aqsa Al Aqsa Mosque, and the yeah mm. yeah that's why you get the gold dome there. The, yeah. Have you been on the Temple Mount? I've never gone up on the Temple Mount. Oh, yeah, I've been on the Temple Mount. Yeah, the reason being is every time I go there, it's like a four-hour like Disneyland line to get into the Temple Mount. Did you have to wait in a really, really long line? No, 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 probably 15, 20 minutes. Was, oh, that's you know, nice. It was a light day there. It was in December when gotcha. we went on the Temple Mount. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool, but a bunch of little Arab kids trying to you know sell you postcards and things like that and, and, right and all that. But it was, a, it was a good tour to check all that out. So I really like when you go in the, uh, the Rabbi's Tunnel. Yeah. next to the western wall yep that's really cool right Go to the left deep into the underground and yeah down to the very lower roads that were that are all underground now but they used to be the roads at the time of christ it's pretty amazing yeah um but i mean even if a person jewish or non-jewish was able to follow the whole law they couldn't save themselves anyway so so even if they you know had the law and they didn't believe in christ they could try and keep the law but the law is not going to save them because just like Paul makes clear in Romans and he makes clear in Galatians that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ and that the, the law, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be made righteous before God, justified in his sight, says Romans chapter 3, right around verse nineteen twenty. So, yeah, so there's no way for us to save ourselves by the law. The law, the purpose of it was to bring the knowledge of sin and to show us our need for a savior. All right. Well, I'm going to call that answered in a little bit more. I'm good with that. Okay, cool. So uh, question two, can you explain what Paul meant in Romans 7, 15 through 20? You know, I got to say, you might want, want to read that because he sounds a little schizophrenic there. You know, when you're... Is this the good things I want to do, I don't do passage? Yeah. I want to do this, Romans, but I don't do this. Romans 7. You know what one of my favorite lines is? What is, is it? 17? 15. Uh, it'll be uh, 7, 15 through 20. All right. Let's, let's read this but real quick. Like down a little bit farther, this yeah. line. Oh, wretched Should man that I am. That I yeah. am. Okay, here's what it says. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate to do, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. And the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Yeah, that's a challenging passage. 
Yeah. So there's three different ways that people um, have interpreted or typically look at this passage. One is that Paul is proposing a uh, kind of like a hypothetical mm-hmm. that this is, you know, he's talking about something that's not really possible. Uh, another view is that Paul is talking about the experience of a person who's not a Christian or like a pre-Christian experience. Or the third one is that Paul is describing a Christian's experience or maybe even his own personal experience of uh, the wrestle, the wrestling match, we might call it, between the the flesh and the, the spirit that when we become a Christian. So the good things we want to do, God gives us his indwelling spirit and his law written upon our hearts. This is what God promised he was going to do in the new covenant. So uh, if you got your Bible, you should go back and read Jeremiah 31, 31, and then uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 talk about this. So we have the spirit dwelling in us and we wrestle against our old nature, our flesh and the new nature. And we, the good things we don't want to, or the good things we want to do, we don't do. And the bad things we don't want to do that we practice. So, mm-hmm. so there's different ways that people interpret this. What, which one do you uh, tend to find you thinking? I always tend to go when I look at something, you know, in scripture, I always yeah. go with the most practical first. Right. And sometimes that's something you've experienced. That's how you know it's practical. So anybody who's ever tried to kick a habit. Yeah. Um, I've never been a smoker, but I heard smoking is really hard to kick and it's something they don't want to do, but they, they do, especially after you become a Christian. I think it, it adds another, uh, uh another la- layer to it for some people. And, and, and so people struggle that, but whatever it is, if you've ever tried to kick a bad habit, you know, so let's say like I get angry sometimes. Can you imagine that? I get angry and disappointed in people. Never, never, never. never. Uh, and this isn't even in the car, you know, hmm. but to try to take that into those thoughts into captivity and to say, okay, how can I not be angry about this? How can I be constructive? How can I be um, encouraging this person rather than just being disappointed that you have to take those thoughts captive and Mm. you, but if you're in a place where you either haven't read your Bible, you've had a very challenging day, you're just not the, you know, super saint that you'd like to be. It's really easy to slip back into that. That, that struggle still exists. Being saved, fully covered in the blood of Jesus. Hashtag the struggle is real. The struggle is real. The struggle, man. Is real. The struggle is real. So, uh, yeah, you know. that, I mean, there there's quite a few people who don't think that Paul is describing the experience of a Christian here, but but I would say I think you can support because my view is that he's talking about a Christian. He's probably even talking about his own personal experience. The good things mm-hmm. I want to do, I don't practice. The bad things I don't want to do, that's what I do. So this battle between the flesh and the spirit. So I think that you can. I think you can support that view biblically. I think you can support it experientially all the more. That like anybody who's been a Christian for any length of time knows that when you become a Christian, God gives you new desires to walk in obedience right. with him and to his word. Uh, so you have that desire. But man, when you're when you're a first a Christian, you're you still got your flesh and it's still there and it's still strong and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, as Peter says. So, you know, the flesh pulls us to go in one way. Uh, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter five, where he says the flesh wars against the spirit or lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary so that you don't do the things that you want to do. So, I mean, I have a desire to follow the Lord obediently and to forgive people and to be patient. That desire is there. Uh, I'm not always forgiving or patient because my flesh. And let's face it. Before you were a Christian and you had that standard, it wasn't a struggle at all. Yeah, because that was yeah, I remember that. There really was, was I was like I was like four. Okay, well I, that was I was I was in my early twenties. Oh, good. Okay, I right, say, yeah, yeah. but um, that you know it wasn't wrong before. Right. It wasn't an yeah, issue. There's no conflict. There. there was no struggle. It was glorious. Yeah, Have fun. The bad things Eat, I want to do. That's what I do. Yeah, that's what I do. Who uh-huh. says that's bad? 
You're not what the you boss mean? of me. You you're telling me I can't do that. No, come on. You get out of here. Come on. It's your 2000, whatever, you know, your right. excuses. Right. But it, it's not a problem. And so um, until, obviously, you come into the saving knowledge and relationship with Jesus And then you Jesus have the Christ. Word of God written upon the heart, the law of God in your mind. Well, you got that Holy Spirit thing, Holy too. Holy Spirit conviction. That's, 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 you know, going, gosh, maybe and I should have And this is exactly what Paul says in Romans chapter 7 as well, where he says, you know, that the law brings. So Romans 3, Romans 7, the law brings the knowledge of sin. And he says, I would not have known to not covet had the law not said, thou shalt not covet. Right. So, you know, I think it's pretty natural for us to lie and to covet and to steal. That's very natural according to our fallen nature. And uh, we wouldn't know that we shouldn't do those things until we have the law written upon our hearts saying, yeah, don't do that. Right. And then let's look at the majority of Paul's life. Ever then he had strived, attained, studied, disciplined himself for all those years. Uh-huh. All those things that took a great deal of effort. And all the time in the framework that he was going to be pleasing to God. And I know there was a lot of self-righteousness and a lot of self-pride there. All of a sudden, all that comes off. But the temptation to fall back into that accidental Pharisee, that's the book I've yeah. been reading, uh, yeah. you know, a little at a time there, that be fall back into that pharisaical attitude, that had to be there for him all the time. Especially when you got a super saint like Paul. I mean, the guy is... He is an apostle. He's, he's Hall of Fame, bro. Yeah. He's Hall of Fame. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Kind of like the Babe Ruth of the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I learned yesterday? Fun fact about Babe Ruth. What about him? He actually missed a game. He couldn't get there to the sixth inning because he was in jail. Really? Yeah. It was part of his sentence. Huh. They want, they, I, I guess they weren't Yankee fans, so they wanted him to not be there for the whole game. Did he, did he go to the game and end up hitting a few homers just to drill it home to him? The Bambino was awesome. Absolutely. Oh, man. And as he points to left field. I love just watch it. this. I Just watch it. this, guys. The, um, that movie, The Sandlot. I love oh, baseball. Great baseball movie. movies are great. A great movie. Sandlot. The Great Bambino. Oh, man. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so I feel like we answered that. We answered that. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Numero Number three. Tres. Why do you believe there's been an increase in Calvinism today? Boy, you were tearing the Calvinists up this weekend. I wasn't trying to. I was just trying to teach the Bible. It came so natural for you, though. You know, yeah, I was digging deep. Man, we had a people. A couple people um, got up and left. Maybe they just had to use the restroom and get to the donut table. No, quicker. I watched the donut table. I was there. All right, you yeah. weren't even here. You were, well, you were here. Yeah, you were I was here. here. I was oh yeah, here. you weren't here was, yesterday was, or the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was here. here. You know, hmm. why? Why do I believe there's been an increase in Calvinism today? Um, because there's a decrease in in personal responsibility. <laughs> So are we are we going to fund part of the statue of responsibility here on the West Coast? Yeah. I actually do think that there's some practical reasons as there's been why there's been an increase in, in Calvinism. Um, do you remember the um, the passion albums, the worship albums that used to come out years ago? No, like uh, the better is one day and passion was like a big deal. So there's this this pastor. He was like a college pastor at the time back in Atlanta, like Bible Belt, Atlanta. His name's Louis Giglio. You ever heard of Louis? Yeah, didn't he do the uh, creation videos? Mm. Or was that a different Giglio? Oh, maybe he did some creation videos. I don't know. But Louis Giglio, he did these, um, This starting in 1997, he did this thing called the Passion Conference, which was like a, a Christian music festival conference for college-age people because he was a college pastor. Cool. And he had a whole bunch of people coming to this. Well, his very first one was in 1997. I think it was like a junior in high school. And uh, he... Um, he had this guy 
as the keynote speaker at the first 1997 Passion, who ended up being like the keynote speaker at pretty much every Passion conference since then, a guy named John Piper. Well, that guy. <clears throat> and, and Piper was pretty much like an unknown guy, pastor from Minneapolis, Minnesota at the time. Like he's not pastor in a huge church. And uh, I don't think Piper's church that big now anyway. Well, he's not a pastor anymore, but yeah, it's not, it's not massive. I mean, no. it's bigger than it was when he first took it over. But so, so uh, Giglio had Piper come and speak at this thing. And, um, and Piper is like, he is the, he's the champion of Calvinism. And so, you know, a lot of younger people, college people, because the Passion Conference got really big. It didn't take very long. You know, they had some great music. I mean, Chris Tomlin was Louis Giglio's um, worship leader. Wow. And so he was the guy that would always be the lead musician at these things. So, so they would have thousands and thousands of people come to the Passion Conferences, especially 97, 98, until 2000. 2000 was like the biggest one. Um, but it just, it's kept going ever since that point in time. So you have thousands of young college people coming from college campuses all over the country to this thing. And they, they started becoming like fanboys of John Piper and reading everything that he wrote that they could get their hands on. So I think that in a big way, I think you could trace the resurgence of Calvinism back to the Passion Conferences and John Piper uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, and then it kind of took off from there because a lot of those guys who were college students that would go to those Passion Conferences, they decided they wanted to serve the Lord, which is great. I think it's awesome. So a lot of these guys went to seminary. They went on to become pastors, become professors, become writers. You fast forward 20, 25 years, and a lot of those guys are in the ministry or training people for ministry today. And so you have this resurgence of Calvinism. And it was right at the same time that the internet was taken off too. So, you know, uh, you could really get a lot of resources for free, for free through the internet. And a lot of these younger guys were making websites. One of them became, a couple of them became really big. One was called uh, the Gospel Coalition and the um, uh, Together for the Gospel. And these are kind of Calvinistic, you know, networks of pastors and churches. And so so that's kind of where it's grown from. So, yeah. You know what's kind of freaky about Piper? Huh. You ever see a picture of him next to Bernie Sanders? No, you know who he looks like identical to? Do you know who Larry David is? No. Larry David was the guy who started Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. He's got two first names. Yeah. Wow. And he 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 and John Piper look like they are twin brothers. Really? Yeah. I always thought like Bernie Sanders looks like John Piper's DUI picture or something. <laughs> it's like it's like but they look a lot. He just Bernie Sanders just looked a little if, more roughed if up. John Piper were a senator from New Hampshire. Yes. And it, if he had had a long night at a at an Irish bar. There you go. You know. <laughs> like yeah, that, that's just just my analysis. I looked like wow. Oh boy. Yeah. All I needed is that little thing in front of him with the numbers on it. So. Anyway, I mean, so know, we could Calvinist. Photoshop that for sure. Oh, I, I think it'll probably happen sometime today. Yeah. So, rise of Calvinism, you think goes due to Piper? Yeah, I think it. I think it has a lot to do with that. Young people, and um, they started to read. Well, you know, John Piper got a lot of these guys hooked on the ancient guys like Jonathan Edwards. Um, Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan preacher um, here in the United States during the time of the Great Awakening, seventeen hundreds, and uh, super smart guy. Um, so, but yeah, strong, strong, strong Calvinist. So people See, started I, reading those and Brainerd and all these guys. I really personally put a really big emphasis on personal responsibility. Yeah. And I think I have a responsibility uh-huh. to be an example and to preach the gospel. Anytime I see an opening to talk about Jesus with hurting people, Yeah, um, to do that. Right. And I'll do that in the store, in the church. Uh, when I'm on Catalina Island, hanging out with my wife, whatever, if I see an opening, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to steer that conversation, and obviously be led by the Holy Spirit to 
talk to that person about Jesus because I want them to be saved because Jesus completely changed my life and I'm so excited well, I don't about wanna... that and and well I'm just saying but I don't want to ever imply that Calvinists are not evangelistic because it's just not true but they I think sometimes they they preach from a different um, they, they they share the gospel with people from a different uh, foundation or reason for doing it like like when you're saying you're sharing the gospel with someone you're sharing the gospel with them because you're hoping that they will trust in Christ that they'll They'll make a decision of the will right there to put their faith in Christ. A lot of times a Calvinist would say, I'm preaching the gospel for the glory of God. I'm doing this because he's commanded out of obedience and for the glory of God. So, I mean, I would say that we're doing it for out of obedience. I'm going to do it for both. Yeah. 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 I'm a double. We also, we also believe that, you know, by the preaching of the gospel, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we're hoping that someone will hear the gospel and respond to the gospel in faith. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Calvinists aren't Christians and this and that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like for my own personal conviction, yeah. I don't believe that some people were meant to burn from page one. Well, and that's the real uh, challenge. I, I mean, I, I don't believe next, that. The next question kind of goes in uh, number four. Yeah. Can you explain total depravity more, which is the, the first kind of, well, the first of the five points of Calvinism, total depravity. Right. Well, I don't want to look at somebody who's in a bad state currently yeah. and go, oh, they're going to hell anyway. Yeah. I, I don't want to jump in there and do that. Because I think scripture would tell us really the right answer is that person just needs Jesus. They do. And, you know, we have a real heart. We want to see people who do not not know Jesus currently come to our church, find Jesus, be discipled here, and go out and make disciples themselves. I think if we were going to say that was a win for anybody coming through this church or we come into contact, that would be, we would consider that a win. And I I want to keep making the point, too, that that I have a lot of friends who are Calvinists. Oh, me too. And, uh, And so... You know, There's a guy named Spurgeon that was a pretty... He was strong, yeah. strong Baptist and I, Calvinist. And I love his writings. Yeah. yeah. And and I so I think that any Calvinist that you would talk to would say the same thing about, we want to see people coming into the church and receiving the gospel. and um, But they would they would hold a different view on how that came to be. So they, they would say that God has elected them before the foundation of the world. He chose a certain group of people to be those who would respond to the gospel and that he would do a specific work of grace in their life so that they would respond to the gospel. This would be the Calvinistic view. But the kind of hyper moving pretty far to the, you know, the the far end of the spectrum of Calvinism would be to say that not only does God elect a select group to go to heaven, but he reprobates and elect the rest of those elects the rest of those people to go to hell. Right, right, so right. that there are certain people that have been chosen by God to go to hell, and apart from anything that they can do, there's nothing they can do. They're they're elected right. to go to hell. Uh, that that is a really um, problematic teaching that I don't think that you can support well from the Bible. Right. And what I'm saying is for me personally, right. I would be, you wouldn't want me to be a Calvinist because I would lose the, the, I would not adopt that view because it would not be good for me as an evangelist. I would not be as motivated to evangelize. Maybe. Yeah. For myself, yeah. for myself. So, um, yeah. And, so I, 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 and I do think the responsibility thing in our culture, definitely people not wanting to take responsibility for certain things. It plays into that mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. It can, let's just say, um, but then they've got their own problems. So, um, yeah. So number four, can, can you explain total depravity more? Um, well, can I give names? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the total depravity position, that's the, the first point, the five points of Calvinism. Sometimes people refer to it as total inability. Um, sometimes it's also spoken of about being the bondage of the will that your will is bound because of sin. And so you can't make a free volitional choice to choose to put your faith in Jesus. So total depravity, it comes out of the, uh, the reformed teaching of original sin, you know, 
uh, Romans 5, 12, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and death spread to all humanity. So we all are born sinners. This is the typical, you know, Protestant Christian view is that every person who's born is born a sinner and they need the grace of God to bring about salvation in their life. So we would, we would agree with that. We just would believe that God, uh, we, we preach the gospel. We bring forth the word of God to lost people and that the word of God is able to draw them to put their trust and faith in Jesus for salvation. Now, the work of salvation is all accomplished by Jesus. Them putting their faith in Jesus, that's not a work that they have done to earn their salvation. It's just they have trusted in his finished work to bring salvation. So uh, so we don't hold to the total depravity position in the sense that um, your will is so bound that there's nothing you can possibly do because the Calvinistic view is that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. So the spirit of God, he selects who's gonna be saved elects them and then he begins the work of regeneration and in their life that work of regeneration is by his grace before they ever put their faith in jesus so putting their faith in jesus is the result of his regenerating power so i just don't know that it's it's easily proved by the scriptures hmm total depravity it yeah. sounds like a name of like an 80s rock band yeah it totally is guys with big spiky hair exactly uh like a glam band. It's funny you say that because when I was in high school, some of my friends who went to this church, they had a band called Total Redemption. Really? And they had big, you know, like Liberty Spikes and that whole thing. Sweet. You know what? If I had an energy drink, I think I'd call it Total Depravity. Or 5150. That'd be another great name that for an energy drink. That would be a good drink. name for an energy 5150 drink. 5150 energy drink Just or Total Depravity? Yeah. You don't have to be crazy to drink this, but it'll help you. 5150 energy drink. Yeah. Yeah. Or total depravity. Yeah. It's so. I'm telling yeah. you right now. Mm -hmm. Marketing genius. It's a good thing. I'm, you know, good thing I'm a Christian. Okay. So total depravity. More total depravity. That sounds like the part two of the show. More total If you've depravity. got, if you're in your, if you're in the band total depravity, you need some total redemption. There you go. All right. Not to be confused with NIV. No. Not to be confused with. Okay. But I think that Total Redemption opened for NIV once. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Cool. Absolutely. Or POD. Remember POD? Uh, POD. They were another local. Payable local on band. Death. death, right? Yeah. 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 Man. They were good, man. They had some good music. There was some screaming going on. Yeah. We used to have concerts here with the screaming bands a long time ago. Yeah. We had a few screaming I was bands a kid. where I was. Yeah. I, I See, I, you were a kid. I was the adult. I was you were watching. making sure that the mosh pit didn't get too crazy? Oh, no. I would jump in. There's a few of those kids that really, they needed some moshing. So, right on. Anyway, junior high kids. Okay. Five, do Calvinists use their beliefs to justify their own sin and personal responsibility to be obedient to Christ? Oh, I'm going to let you take that one first, bro. Yeah, I've never experienced that. Yeah. I've never met anybody who who uh, who blames their, their total depravity on the, the sin that they have a problem with. Though, I... I do see some carry the total inability, total depravity to the point of, um, you know, not making excuses for their sin, but kind of doing the whole capitulating to like, well, it's just, this is who I am. And, you know, I can't really walk in righteousness. So it's kind of a cop out that I can't fully obey, um, which, you know, I don't think we'll ever be sinlessly perfect in this life. So, so there is that challenge, but, uh, no, I don't think that they, they use the, uh, the, their view to justify their own sin. They certainly don't justify their sin. They recognize that it's wrong. So you don't think they're dragging, dragging Paul, you know, uh, Romans seven fifteen through 20 back in there? You don't think they're doing that? And saying, well, this is just who I am. And yeah. No, no. Yeah, mm -hmm. no. I see a lot of unbelievers do that. 
I didn't yeah. have good parents, so I'm this. I wasn't that. You know, right. I'm lactose intolerant, whatever. Just the, the, yeah, there's all these things. So anyway, all right, but no, I'm not. I'm not seeing that as a big you know Calvinist thing. The old Calvinist. I feel guys like had, we're throwing the Calvinists under the bus and just kind of yeah, rolling not, over them two or three yeah, times. Yeah, I, I did. That's not what I intended. They had some sweet beards back in the day, though. Dude, totally. They're bringing those back. There's a lot of a lot of beards coming back. Bringing Calvin back. All right, here we go. I don't think Calvin had a beard. No, Spurgeon did, but Calvin no beard. Yeah, I can't do the beard thing. No, why not? There'd be a sex strike at my house. Oh, that's why. Okay, my wife right. does not like beards on me. Because <laughs> I'm not kissing you. You're scratchy. Uh, Get away from me. Oh, wait. Me. You know what? I'm totally wrong. John Calvin had a wicked beard. There you what go. I yeah, thinking? I was going to yeah. say. A little pointed Martin thing. Luther. Martin Luther had no beard. Well, he was clean shaven. John I mean, Wesley you know, had you know, no beard. Yeah. You know, when you're hammering the Westminster Confession to the wall, you don't want to get tangled up in your beard. No, no, you know, no. You, you have mixed up so I know, many Luther theological and universes I know, I know. here on every I, I did that. On, that was on purpose. Man, you're doing that just for me. He was DC. I love to yeah. see you frustrated with that. Okay. Do you believe we can live up to all the imperative commands in the New Testament? Is it possible? Question mark. What do you think, Mark? In Jesus. In Jesus. Yeah, I don't think we can perfectly live up to them. No. Throw we, me some imperative commands out there. The good things I want to do, I don't do. The bad things I don't want to do, that I practice. We we will have that, but we obviously, you know, we do kind of believe in a view of progressive sanctification, that as we walk with Jesus, he's progressively transforming us by the renewing of our minds, transforming our lives so that we do walk in obedience. I mean, a disciple is a faithful follower of Jesus, so yeah. uh, we want to be obedient followers of Jesus. And uh, when we sin, this is what we've been studying through First John. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, so uh, we have forgiveness as we confess our sins, but he wants to he wants to make us new, and that our lives will be uh, walked out in a way where we are working out our salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that he's working in us. So so yeah, we will never be sinlessly perfect in this life, but we can see uh, a true transformation in our lives as we walk with Jesus. I was going to throw this out: the longer I'm a Christian, the easier it is to be a Christian. As oh really? Far, I think as far as not struggling with the same things, being younger, struggling with those yeah, things, just. Yeah. Walk in the light and walk in the light and walk in the light for a long time. And I think that some of those old struggles are like, no, why would I go do that again? You know, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. And so there's a maturity that's there. I think uh, maturity is the right word. That's, yeah, that's definitely it, the right word. It, it, it did not fall into those things. I just, uh, you know, I love that exchange with Peter in Jesus when he talks about, you know, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it was a hard saying and people walked away and Peter just. You know, Jesus says, are you guys going to bail too? Yeah. And you too, Peter. And he's like, no, Lord, where else could I go? What else could I do? Who else has the words of eternal life? Yeah. He had, he had been seen too much and experienced too much. And, and I think we can be in that place. Definitely as Christians where we've just walked with Jesus so long and seen him do so much. It's like, yeah, I'm not falling for a devil. I don't want a piece of that. I don't want any of that. So anyway, so. The commands, yes. Okay, number seven. Can you explain what the enneagram? Enneagram. Enneagram. I got to say that right because it sounds like a medical procedure. Yeah. Is and if it is advisable <laughs> or profitable for a Christian use, I looked it up. Did you look it up? Yeah, because it looked like a creepy pentagram thing at first. Right. It was kind of creepy the way it was all out there, and then it's all these personality types. Yeah, it's a personality test. Seems really complicated. You know, I, apparently. The Enneagram is like the new, the new awesome thing for hipster Christians to take. They all, they all tell each other. So what Enneagram number are you? I'm a one wing seven. Groovy, baby. Groovy. Yeah. You know, you know, the, um, the comedian, John Christ. Yes. Christian that guy's hysterical. He's funny. 
He's got a pretty funny video on the, the Enneagram. Oh, really? I'll have to watch it. It's pretty funny. I mean, he's totally bagging on it because, I mean, I don't know. I, it's like, what's your sign? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's like the Christian astrology. Like, and you're never going to add that thing up so it shows you in a favorable light, right. an unfavorable light to people, right? No. So, no. I was, okay, I was at a conference, I, I got to say. It always happens a at a conference, ago, yeah. And I was, I was a part of this whole thing. So they had all the people who were a part of it come stand up in the front and introduce themselves. So we're all standing up there in a line, introducing ourselves. And I think it was like the first or second guy who says, I'm pastor so-and-so and I'm Enneagram number seven or whatever, number one, Ooh. such and such. And like, there was like this hush. It was like, I'm standing there like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know why, why we're telling people what our sign is. It's like, I don't know. So it's a, it's a personality test. It's just the new hip personality. Myers-Briggs test. for Christians. It's the new updated Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did see where they have like personality types for, um, we walked into somebody's house one time uh-huh. and they were working on a book and there was like prophet, teacher. Yeah. Um, oh, there's all kinds of these. Like, have you seen the one where basically you get, um, like you end up being like different animals. This person over here is a fox and this one is a tiger. Yeah, I've seen thing. that. Yeah, yeah. What are you? I'm a snake. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? What, uh, yeah, I'm a donut. But so... Um, I remember my kids walked in and they read the description of all the things on the wall, these different things as this person was putting together. And like every one of them looked at one and said, that's you, dad. Yeah. And like, okay, busted. So that was pretty accurate, you know, but uh, yeah. Do you remember that one with a teacher and the prophet and the... Yeah, mine, I'm the debater. The debater. <laughs> I'm sure you can't imagine that. No, come on now. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a Myers-Briggs thing. It's ENTP. I am ENTP-A. Okay. Yeah. And and an enneagram, I I don't know what any of this stuff means, but yeah. So I yeah, they're personality tests. I don't my, know. My doctor calls in for an enneagram. I am not going. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't happening. Sounds painful. Too many tests. They do. Dude, yeah. Am I awake? When you're not forty happen? yet. You're going to be forty. You're going to. There's a whole other world. Whole new world. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it's going. This be is great. going downhill. Yeah, fast. it's okay. We are in a flat spin. We're going out to sea. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Enneagram. I don't know. It's the rage among Christians right now. Personally, test personality tests they can be helpful, but uh, I would be careful not to like order my life around the the results of your enneagram. Your identity is not based on your Myers Briggs or your enneagram or your Strengths Finder or your spiritual gifts test or your IQ test or any of those things. Are you texting someone? I am. Who are you texting? My wife. Oh, cool. I got She asked a very important question, and I got to tell her. Is it about dinner? No, that's super important. It that's, is important. That's life-threatening dinner. I don't. You, you, I'm like the Hulk. You wouldn't want to be around me when I'm hangry. When you're hangry, yeah, hmm. yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I like to be. Let's see. I like to be. Uh, how do we say? I, I like to be polite to my wife. And like, if she's going to make I dinner so. and wants to know if we're doing this and that, I, I like to like you know. Put her there so she can plan. She's a planner. She likes to plan. My wife's a planner too. Must be the nurse thing. Yeah, and they but they they plan way more than I do for stuff. Oh, okay. And is so, there something big going on? No, we're just dinner. But they they plan oh, okay. and plan and plan. And I tend to be like I don't need to plan for two days for that. But she likes to plan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna you're you know, gonna acquiesce to that request. Yeah, I, I remember reading a story about Chuck, Pastor Chuck. Smith. Yeah, yeah. And he used to call Kay every night before he'd come home and go, you know, Kay, would you? like me to pick up something from the store and you know what and i thought man this guy's one of the 
he's a big cheese. He's a smart church. man. But he was a smart guy. He'd call his wife, hey, is there something I can do for you? And that's that's good policy. Good policy. I like that. Yeah. So anyway, I'll just let my wife know. Yes, I will be home for dinner. Good. Yeah. So anything else? Hawaii, I know we got Hawaiian Shirt Sunday coming up. Hawaiian Shirt Sunday is a week from this Sunday. Ooh. Do you have a uh, an extra special Hawaiian shirt you're going to wear? I'm being told that I might need to buy a new Hawaiian shirt because the one that I got was maybe too tame. Why don't you wear the one that you were given when you were, you know, in your... My 10-year anniversary. Your 10-year anniversary. Shirt. That thing is loud and proud, bro. I um, It's still sitting in my office here. I have not taken that home because I'm afraid it might scare the other clothes in my closet. You know what? Those pink pants and those orange pants you wore for the last celebration, <laughs> there's... Those things, you cannot scare them, okay? They're numb, the rest of your outfit from those. That is... You know... That is golf wear, bro. The 4th of July is not too far away. Oh, you're going to get some Rex Quando pants? Oh, that'd be great. Like American flag um, MC Hammer pants? Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Probably not, though. I don't know, man. Um, Yeah, so... We got like, hey, we got like 25 people coming to the newcomers thing. That's great. So A lot of new people from uh, the Easter's. Yeah, that was cool. I've got some people that are uh, really made the church their home. I'm having a. I picked up a couple new guys that are hanging out on the ride now with us, going out riding bikes. So things are good. That is great. So, do we have anything else that we need to discuss? What Any you, important things? No. What are you teaching this weekend? Uh, we'll be in First John chapter two. Um, yeah, what's coming up? Yeah. Any other crazy stuff in the news you saw? Some crazy stuff in the news. I read this really fascinating article on thefederalist.com. The Federalist. Yeah. um, Ladies, this is the headline. Ladies, stop trying to have sex like men. So this was written by a gal. Do I get an edit button? I think we got it. You said the S word. I can't believe it. We already talked about that earlier. Okay, but so this is written having to do with a psychiatrist from Dr. Miriam Grossman from UCLA, your daughter's alma mater. There you go. And um, and she's making a very interesting point in this whole article that since the 1960s and the sexual revolution and especially the birth control pill, and then in the 1970s, the whole thing of uh, legalizing abortion, there's been this push in the hyper-secularized, uh, sexualized culture that, you know, women should be able to have casual sex and just kind of move on from it like men who, you know, I guess they can have multiple partners and not be affected by it. But just all the psychiatric uh, literature is showing that it just doesn't work from a psychological perspective for women. They can't do that. And uh, and it's causing all kinds of problems. It was a very interesting article. Surprising. Yeah. You do the opposite of God's word, you have problems. Yeah. Wow. You don't think you like made it like that, do you? Mm. Yeah. Amazing. You know, I was listening to someone today and he, he made a really good point. He said, you know, God creates things for a specific purpose and to flourish in their specific sphere. So birds do really well in the air. Fish do really well in the water. You throw a fish up in the air, not going to do so well. A put bird a, will eat Put it. a bird yeah. in the water, not going to do so well. They don't do so well. So he was just talking about human beings. God created us in a specific way and for a specific place. And we flourish the best in those things. And... When it comes to sex, it flourishes much, 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 much better in the context of marriage. 32 years, got no complaints, man. That's good. Groovy. Yeah. Lots of lots of interesting articles going around. Yeah, there's just been some crazy stuff in the news lately. So There is. Maybe we'll add some more, some more discussion news about uh, news. Segments. News. The news with Mark and Miles. That could be so dangerous. 
we may have a total set need to do a separate co- kind of podcast for that. People, mm. people wouldn't. Yeah. Maybe some of our um, very faithful listeners, they can come and they can let us know if that's, if that's a segment we need to add to the, the questions podcast. People are crazy, but God is not right. Yep. We do. Yeah. So. Okie doke. All right. I don't know. Is there a, I'm trying to think of a secret, uh, you know, to let me know you're listening to the uh, podcast. You know, I see people on the weekend, they come by and they go, hey, Pastor Mark. So people Do are crazy. You you're going to have to think, think ahead on these from now. I will. People are crazy. God isn't, you know, that's that's know. you're going to be your thing. I think that's, that's it. The people are crazy. God isn't. If you made it to uh, minute 45 or wherever we are, people are crazy. God isn't. God is not. There you go. And next week we will have more answers to the deep theological questions. Answers-ish. Answers-ish. Sort of. Yeah. God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday. Adios. Peace out.